0: All right, we're live, and I am here with Mr. Scott Baker, and we're just going to have a little conversation and get to know each other just a little bit better.
1: Okay. For the NSA and FBI guys listening in, don't worry. I'm not going to talk anything covert or classified. (laughs) Go get a cup of coffee.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't know what to ask.
1: (laughs) So how are you, Hadley?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Was um, that
1: was that Boo I heard in the background during the uh, watching weird?
0: You heard me talking to Boo, but I, the whining—I don't know if that was here or if that was someone else.
1: Oh, okay. I, I could hear know. the whining through the whole thing, and I thought, yeah, what?
0: I don't, I don't know if it was mayhem or if Rich had his puppy there.
1: Oh, all I could think of was somebody like,
0: pay attention to me. No, it was not Boo. Boo's been in the doghouse today. So how is Roxy doing? Is she still... Wait, wait a minute,
1: wait a minute. Why is Boo in the doghouse? Oh,
0: he's just—it's just Boo.
1: Okay, Roxy (laughs) is doing very well. She's made friends with (laughs) Acha. Hi, Landa. She's made friends with Acha. The two of them now like when when anybody's making something in the kitchen. She, the two of them sit in the kitchen beside each other and beg for food. Um, she loves cuddling in bed at night. Uh, she, the minute I get, well, when I get in, I got to like roll her to the center of the bed and then hold her in place and sneak in. <laughs> um, the only one that hasn't taken a shine to her yet is Michonne, the black cat. And that's like weird because the other night Roxy came down into the study and the two of them were rubbing heads against each other. And then Michonne jumped up on the cat stand by my desk. And when um, Roxy walked by, Michonne hissed at her. So,
0: yeah, I've had um, pets like that. I had two cats that my white cat just acted like she just couldn't tolerate the other one. Mm-hmm. But if you like came in and they didn't know you were home, they'd be sitting next to each other.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they'd give you that look and they like separate, like, oh, shit, we got caught. Like a pair of teenagers. So yeah. you can see Michonne's tail. <laughs> hey Michonne. <laughs> so what do you want to know about me?
0: I want to. There's so much. You're just such an interesting person. You're just so oh, versatile. So it's just cool. like you're talking about the photos that you uploaded from Area 51. And yeah. I was like, you know, <laughs> what can you tell me about area 51?
1: I, it, I don't have any photos from Area 51. <laughs> Everybody, my cousin, I love my cousin Robert dearly, but he's convinced I was CIA, so I know about the aliens. So every time, like when I used to live in uh, Virginia or Florida, I'd come up here, we'd go for a drive, and he'd turn the radio up in the car, and he'd ask me, what do you know about them? And, you know, I'm I'm an ass sometimes, and I'd say to him, Rob, I can't tell you anything about them. You know, they'll kill us. And one night... It was a Christmas. It was it was right before Christmas. And I was up visiting and my cousin Robert and a friend of his were arguing um, They're big theorists that the moon landing never took place. And they were sitting there debating back and forth, you know, well, this proves that the landing never took place. And if you look at this, this proved the landing never took place. So after about 20 minutes, I pretended to get mad at them, And I says, you two have no idea what the hell you're talking about. I says, we landed on the moon. It was part of the deal. We gave them asylum. They gave us the technology. That's why we did it. And the Russians and the Chinese and the Japanese and the Europeans haven't gotten there yet. And I walked out of the room. And a minute later, his wife comes in and she goes, you are such an asshole. That's all they're talking about. I
0: love it. I love it.
1: I had a friend of mine who years ago... Before the computers became small, you know, when they used to have those big mainframes and you had to put them in these gigantic um, refrigerated containers to keep them cool. We had one of those in the basement of Langley and somebody had written, had gotten a sign made, a professional sign and wrote, hey, Audrey. Hey, Audrey. Thank you. And somebody had gotten one of the professional signs made and put on an alien cryogenic chamber. And a friend of mine, he had a summer employee who all summer hounded him. you got to show me the aliens. you got to show me the aliens. So on his last day, there was a summer intern. My friend says to him, okay, I'm going to show you something, okay? If you tell anybody, we're probably going to both be dead. So he took him around the bill. I mean, he took him down service elevators. He walked them through the sub-sub basement. And then he finally comes up and shows the kid, and the kid's like, because he sees alien cryogenic chamber. You know the kid went around and told everybody.
0: <laughs> hilarious. So what you're saying is, despite the stereotype that CIA agents actually do have a sense of humor.
1: Oh my God, yes. <laughs> oh my God, yes. We. I was in one office. We used to play the worst practical jokes on each other. We had all these, like I had one friend of mine. I used to have this, his cubicle was right by my office, and I had this cow, a Christmas cow, that when you squeeze it, it played, moo, 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 And he said to me, he says, thank God when I come back from holiday, that goddamn cow won't be here anymore. Christmas will be over. So I took it home with me, Christmas, holiday. I got his work phone number, and one day I just sat there, called it up, and I got the answering machine. I played it, hung up. Called back a minute later. would be like I had thirty of those messages when he got back. We had one friend who was a huge pra- played the worst practical jokes. He went on a thirty day T D Y. So we went out. We bought bags of those mac- uh, the styrofoam macaroni, and a huge roll of shipping, uh, shipping plastic, and we sent an email to everybody in the group. You know, if you want to get, you know, if you want to get rich back, just you know, come over and put something on his head they shrink wrapped everything except his computer except his computer because you know they didn't want it to melt they shrink wrapped his chair they shrink wrapped his oh, everything in his office one person even shrink wrapped every paper clip he had in the desk we shrink wrapped the desk we shrink wrapped the the floor covering that the chair goes on and then two days before he came back we shrink wrapped his cubicle and we filled it with the macaroni it's <laughs> funny yeah, so that's your tax dollars of work.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so tell me about your um, childhood. <laughs> I actually... And I, thought- I asked for a reason. Is You are one of the funniest people that I know. You always you. just have these little quirky things that you say, and you're just so full of light and love. And I just... Oh. I love it. And I just were you always like this and- oh
1: yeah oh yeah um i actually had a really good childhood i grew up in a great home um you know there was you know I, I you know there was no spanking there was no beating i grew up in a very lovely home my father was a lower middle class working stiff uh you know we ne- we didn't have a lot but whatever we had, you know, my father would come home like during, su- hi, Mike. My father hey, Mike. would come home during, during summer vacation. He would come home and after dinner, he would take us almost every night somewhere. Whether we went to the park, whether we went to the beach, sometimes we'd go up to McDonald's and just get like a donut and a cup of coffee. We, we were a family. We played games together. Uh, every year we went on vacation. You know, my father was an ex-Marine. He kept on telling me, you know, Semper Fi, you know, give them one chance and then take them down. My mother was a sweetheart. She wanted to go to college, but she never got to. And she she fed me. I'm a monster kid because of her. Uh, For some reason, I got hooked on sci-fi, old sci-fi, Jules Verne, H.G. Wells. She went out and bought me any book I wanted. She'd give me the books, you know, oh, H.G. Well, when I was through with H.G. Wells, Jules Verne, um, she let me watch the, horror, the monster movies, Frankenstein, uh, all of that stuff. As a kid, I had all the monster models. Um, yeah, I had all the monster models. I had posters on my wall. and when I got older, I had posters of Farrah Fawcett. And, it, you know, when I started to get older and I started to get into modern horror, my mother, my mother's the one that got me hooked on modern horror. One my cat. One <laughs> Christmas, I she got me this new book um by this unknown author. Uh it was about a oh that's sweet, Londa. That's so it was about it, it was a by Graham Masterton. This guy had never published a novel before. He used to do sex manuals before this, and it was about right. an,
0: Sex huh?
1: manuals, yeah, sex manuals. Yeah, he used to do those like doc, you know, like the old Dr. Ruth Heimer. You know, you'll take this and you put this I the I was thing.
0: gonna say people <laughs> need manuals,
1: <laughs> and it was about this ancient Indian medicine man who killed himself uh, during the occupation of the tribal lands, and he comes back to New York as if he's being born on the back of this woman's neck. And they're not knowing what it is. They take x-rays of it. Well, naturally, it's a fetus. So now it's this deformed entity that breaks through the back of her neck and like raises terror in a hospital. You know, I'm 10 years old. You know, I'm reading about this thing, ripping the girl's back open and coming through, you know, demons coming through portals and biting off some guy's hand. I'm like fascinated. The book was The Manitou. If you've never read it, read it. I, it think, was my, I
0: think I saw either the movie or I've read the book.
1: The movie sucked. Don't watch the movie. The movie was, the ending of the movie was as horrible as the ending of Children of the Corn. But the <laughs> book, I got, I stayed up one night, all night reading that book. It was just so fascinating. And, ever, you know, when I decided I liked writing, my mother would go out and buy me pens and notebooks uh, she was always there, you know. When I wanted to be a teacher, she's like, "Okay, let's be a teacher." You know, she wasn't, you know. Oh no, you should be a doctor. You should be a lawyer. She was always pushing me to be happy. I'm, I'm what I am today because of my mother and my father. So, well,
0: that's so if wonderful. you don't like it,
1: blame them. <laughs> <laughs> and as I'll for the that. attitude, as for the attitude, I just developed that over the years. You know, I try not to. Uh, I try not to let things get me down. Of course I do. When I'm in a bad mood, it's like even Satan's like, oh, screw it. I'll be back tomorrow. But (laughs) if you can't laugh at things, what are you going to do? You know, I'm the type like when I'm in the hospital, you know, I had to be rushed up to the hospital It's because I couldn't breathe because of asthma. I was making jokes. My wife's like, how could you be making jokes? It's like, why? I'm not going to (laughs) die. Hey, Corinne, hi from Australia. Welcome. I love Australia. What part are you from? I visited Sydney once.
0: I have a friend from Tasmania.
1: Oh, I went to there and some. I went there back in the nineties, and my friend of mine met me, and he goes, Do "You want a beer?" And I says, "Ah, oh, God, no, Foster sucks." And he laughed at me, and he goes, "No," I said, "A beer," and he introduced me to the fine, the fine art of Australian beers. That was one trip I barely remember, but a queen. Oh, man gotta get there someday
0: years oh. ago i used to write um which we we talked i think i've probably told you about i used to do play by email which kind of got me writing and mm-hmm. one of the guys that i wrote with was a phenomenal writer i wish i would have stayed in touch with him but he was because i was about 28 at the time this guy was like 18 or 19 mm-hmm. he was from um australia but he mm-hmm. was a tattoo artist but he was one of the best writers i've ever read
1: hmm and it's funny because every, when I went to Australia, everybody warned me, oh, you know, they're not going to like you. They're going to treat you like crap. Right now, they don't like Americans. And everywhere I went, I was treated so nice and I couldn't understand it. And, you know, and people would be friendly to me, like, hey, you know, try these things for free. And if you like it, we'll order you some. And my last day there, I figured it out because I was sitting in a restaurant and the waiter came up to me and said, I got to ask, what part of Australia are you from? I can't place your accent. And that's when I figured it out. They thought my Boston accent was from Australia. They thought I was like from the outback or something. So. (laughs) So.
0: No, there he is. He's back.
1: Oh, did I phase out? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Welcome back. (laughs) Oh, they. They. I don't know what part of the story I phased out on, but everybody was asking, you know, it was so nice to me. And my last day, the guy asked me, one of the waiters says to me, you know, I've got to ask, wait, one second, Audrey. I've got to ask what part of Australia are you from? Are you from the outback? Because of my accent, they thought I was uh, Australian. So. Come here. Oh, stop bitching. <laughs> This is Aww. Michonne. Say hi, Michonne. Say she's hi. gorgeous. She is. She's she's partly feral. She was born to a feral cat. And a friend of ours, a neighbor is ours in Florida, brought the whole family in. And so she was only outside for like one or two days. But she still got feral in there, you can tell. So
0: well, they say that cats are the only animals that have domesticated themselves. So, <laughs> I'm guessing that, that that Michonne is living that life.
1: Yes. Well, Michelle, I I put a cat stand right by my right by my desk, and there's many a night that I'm like typing with one hand, and you can see I'm petting her with the other. So, and if I stop petting her, she'll stand up, and then I'll get the little paw tapping on me. <laughs>
0: Well, I had cats for the majority of my life. And I want to say when I got Domino, she was probably three. And both of my cats that I had at the time, they were senior citizens at that time. They passed away like within probably 16 months of each other. And then from uh, Domino had just her behavior went down so much that we ended up adopting a German shepherd and that. German Shepherd was pregnant, and so that started the dogs. And um, I had a dog as a child, but my mom would let him live with us inside.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: now I'm just like got all the pets. I miss having a cat, but I just don't mm-hmm. know that um the shepherds would do as well with a cat.
1: I didn't name a Audrey. My actually my daughter did, and I think she named her after an anime character. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, we got, um, I never had pets. Well, I had a cat growing up. It was my mother's cat, but it died when I was about 10. And then, you know, as a kid, I had gerbils and hamsters. I didn't get my first pet, a rabbit, until I was almost 30 years old. And I had, we had six rabbits. Um, I brought four of them with me down to Florida And that's, you know, then I adopted uh, Walter and Bella, my, my wife's dogs. And then we adopted the cat, Archer. And he loved playing with the rabbits. They didn't like it, but he loved it. He didn't touch the two older rabbits because he knew they were old and they were frail. But we had one younger rabbit and he would like, he'd come into the room and he'd sit there. And all of a sudden, the back end would stop. He'd run across the floor, tackle her, roll her over two or three times, gently bite her on the neck, and then run out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) And then she'd look at me like, what the hell did you do to me? And then that same rabbit was this tiny little tan one. And my dog, Bella, must have thought it was her puppy. Because Bella would come in, and she'd get behind her, and she'd use her paws, and she'd push She pushed little Willow and then like she put her paws beside her, laid down, and she groomed her. And this poor little rabbit's looking at me with this gigantic dog tongue licking her.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Scott, so I know one of the things with your writing is you've, first off, you've got a phenomenal list of books that you've written. What um, genres are you, do you only write under Scott Baker or do you have a pen name that you write under as well?
1: I or don't ask, don't tell. No, I used to have a pen name when I wrote um, when I wrote my young adult series, but I finally got to the point it was like this is ridiculous. You know, I'm like doing twice the marketing, so I got rid of that pen name. I now write all of my horror, sci-fi, fantasy under the name Scott M. Baker. I do have on Vella. And I will put it, I'll put the link to it on my Scott Baker's Realm of Zombies, Vampires, and the Paranormal. uh, An espionage novel I wrote under a different name, Robert, I think Robert Lansing or something like that. And see, I started writing as a, uh, I started writing techno thrillers and espionage. I started that in the 1990s. I did a couple of novels, which were so bad, no one has ever read them. I just refused. It's like, if you read these novels, you would never pick up a book of mine again. <laughs> and then in, in, in around 1997, no, 98, 99, I wrote uh, a techno thriller about, because I spent years, I spent about 10 years doing North Korea issues. And I worked on nuclear weapons ballistic missiles and bioweapons for much of my career so I wrote this novel about North Korea producing five nuclear weapons they test one and then they tell the United States we've hidden the other four in the United States if you do not get out of South Korea in 48 hours we're going to set them off I got an agent he loved the book he had it with a, he never told me the name, but he had it with a big name uh, publishing house in New York and 9-11 hit. And the market for espionage and techno thrillers dried up like that overnight. So um, I spent two years fighting the war on terrorism. I was being shipped all over the Middle East. And then when I came back, you know, I thought, well, what should I do? And, you know, it was like, well, I love horror. I've read Horror. I've watched horror all my life. Let me start writing horror novels.
0: Do you think you'll go back to the espionage?
1: No, no. What about uh, your
0: novel that was going to be published? What are you going to do with it?
1: Um, parts of that novel made it into um, the Vela novel that I put up, Mag. It's called Mag. It's on Vela, Mutant Assassin Group. Um, it's got a little few horror elements in it. But it deals mostly with biological weapons, uh, terrorism, things like that. Uh, I, I wouldn't do the other one because when I wrote it, Kim Jong-il was in power. And everything back then fit. That's twenty more than 20 years ago. Everything in that novel is outdated. I'd have to completely rewrite it. And plus I've got my name established in horror. Actually, I really, I like horror a little better because you have to be perfect in espionage. Yeah. You know, if you make a mistake, if you put the if you put the the front door at Langley head facing in the wrong direction, everybody knows about it. You know, but you can do what you want with zombies and vampires. Nobody.
0: Well, ex- and exactly. That's why I like writing what I write is I can take creative license with a lot.
1: Yeah. And then I also have the problem that I've got to get every one of my books cleared by the Central Intelligence Agency.
0: Oh, well I
1: send be- it in. And then yeah, the one that got me was when I did Mutant Assassin Group, Um, I, I sent it in. <sighs> And I, I said to myself, they're going to tear this book apart. I have a scene in there where a good friend of mine who was not a government employee gave me the details on how to make a radiological bomb. You know, That's a large terrorist weapon filled with radioactive material. You might not kill a lot of people when it explodes, but you're going to contaminate that area for a couple of thousand years. I wrote down how to make Ebola parks which is the Ebola virus mixed with, you know, the, the lethality of Ebola mixed with the infectiousness of smallpox. All of this stuff. You want to know what the one thing they got pissed off about and told me I couldn't do? I couldn't use the word Delta Force. That really? was top, that, that was top secret. I said to them, have you ever watched the Chuck Norris? Movie? Oh, you can't use Delta Force. <laughs> Fine. Fine. So. But it's, I liked. I enjoyed writing it. I don't think I'll go back to espionage. I mean, it was fun writing it while I was in there because I knew things. But I've, I've been out of the government now for nine years. That's- I loved it. When, I loved it when I was there. Don't get me wrong. The last ten years were the best ten years of my life the things I was doing, the places I was going to see. You know, they they were shipping me out for training courses at biological weapon facilities. I was going to see nuclear power plants. I was going to see where... I actually once got to stand in a room, and if you read Nurse Alyssa 8, the scene at the end, near the end, where they go into the underground bunker with the thousands and thousands of stored nuclear warheads that exists. I was in that bunker. I was standing there surrounded by enough nuclear warheads that it could have wiped out the world.
0: Wow. And
1: I, You know, that's the stuff I like. You know, don't send me to Paris. I don't want to go to Paris. Anybody can go to Paris. I want to go see the strange, the weird places. I've been to Paris when I was, when I was, uh, go, go, go. when I was 21 years old, My parents, God bless bless them, sent me on a 60-day, 20-country trip of Europe. I got to see Portugal, Spain, Italy, France, England. I've seen all these places. Some of them I go back to. Some of them, like, I've seen it once. I don't want to see that stuff. I don't want to go go back. You know, I don't want to go back and see Rome. If I go back, I want to go to the underground catacombs. You know, when I I was in Kuwait for seven months... And a friend of mine who worked for the military took me and a buddy out to the, remember the highway of death in the first Gulf war? Yeah. No, I've never gotten there, but I wish I could. <laughs> um, remember the highway of death during the first Gulf war when yeah. we like blew a potty wrecking? They just put all the vehicles over a sand dune and left them. So my friend that took me and another friend, we're walking around all these vehicles. We're picking up souvenirs and <laughs> there's wild dogs running around. So where's
0: the scariest place you've been?
1: You want to know the actually, uh, the the Scariest. scariest place I have been, the only time I felt threatened was on a subway going through a bad suburb of Paris. Really? There was a very bad element on the train and me, a friend of mine and his wife And we I that was the only time I was scared. And that was the only time I felt like I might not make it out of this. Wow. Yeah. Now I'm also, you know, so you don't think. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but when he does tie you up, he does bring you good food. So (laughs) (laughs) he
0: gives You you a safe word.
1: Like, I was when I was in Kuwait once, and there was this at the train yard. We had, you know, the Air Force had blown up a, a train of Iraqi guard. There was this uh, Iraqi Soviet-made tank on its side with the turret on the ground. So naturally, you know, yeah, we're CIA, but everybody's like kids. So we all go down there, and we're all taking photographs, you know, one foot in the tank, holding the gun in the air. <laughs> And I sent it to my wife at the time, and my wife sent me an email, and she says, you're an asshole. Have you looked in the ground? And we looked at the photo. Dozens of unexploded ordnance, mortar rounds, tank shells, just laying there. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't tell her that, that, you know, that my friends and I went to the Iran-Iraq battlefield. Like, we're driving down the road with mines on either side of the (laughs) cars.
0: Well...
1: So, I mean If you could a,
0: go back to any country and live, where would you have
1: gone? South Korea. I spent three years living in Seoul, and I loved it. I was fortunate enough. I wasn't living on the military base. I was living in a housing complex right near the U.S. Embassy, since that's where I worked. I loved Korea. The Koreans are some of the nicest people I've ever met. You make a friend in Korea, you make a friend for life. And there was this—I oh, love telling these stories. Right around the corner from my house, across from one of the imperial palaces, was this old little coffee shop. And people could smoke cigarettes in Korea. And I used to go there on my day off, you know, w- with my pen and paper and that. And I would, I would write and smoke a cigar. And the the woman who owned it, the mama-san who owned it, she loved me. I don't know why she, but she just she took me in as her own. And one day her husband, her husband couldn't stand me. He came in and he made me put out the cigar. So I put out the cigar and then she comes in, she looks, her eyes widen, and she goes out in the kitchen and she's yelling and screaming at him. And you could hear her and all of a sudden he comes out and he drops an ashtray on the table and he walks away. (laughs) So then she comes out and she goes, you know, smoke, smoke, smoke. So I lit up a cigar. So a couple of weeks later, I'm smoking. He comes in. He takes this huge fan, uh, floor-mounted fan, puts it right in front of my table. So the smoke, the the wind is blowing on me to blow the smoke back in my face. She comes in five minutes later. She saw this. She freaks. She goes out and back. You could hear her yelling and screaming at him. He comes out. He sorry he rips the cord out of the wall gives me a dirty look brings it back she comes up gives me an iced coffee and then like one time i'm waiting for my my first wife and this young korean girl was watching me and she comes over now i did not speak a word of english i can barely speak english so she comes down and she sits in front of me and she starts talking to me at first it's very popular in korea for Koreans who are learning English to sit down and chat with you and like, hey, you know, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Will you, will you talk English with me? She didn't know any English. So I kept on pointing to my wedding ring and she just stood there and kept on talking and kept on talking. And after about 10 minutes, the mama-san comes over and starts yelling at her and pointing her finger at her and pointing to me and pointing her, wagging her finger at her. So she gets up and moves. So a little later, my wife comes in And she sits down and the woman leaves and the mama son comes out with this huge bowl of uh, this huge hot fudge sundae and puts it in front of my wife. And she goes, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she backs into the kitchen and my wife looks at me and goes, what did you do? (laughs) (laughs) She was protecting me, you know, (laughs) but uh, I I've had a lot of great Korean friends. They're some of the best, they're the sweetest, kindest people. I loved living in Korea. I I would go back there and live there in an instant.
0: That's that part of the world is an area I'd really like to go.
1: Oh yeah. No, I loved it. I've, I've been all over Europe. I've been all over Asia and I've been to several places in the middle East. I I've been very fortunate. I admit it. I got to travel so many places. I've got to see so many things um i've got to do things that you know some people only dream about so
0: well you have definitely lived your life i think that's one of the things that makes you a great writer
1: thank you and uh, yeah a lot of the places i visited have made it into books like if you read the vampire hunters series or if you read the shattered world um I went with two friends of mine once. We did, a, we did a tour early 2000, Normandy to the Battle of the Bulge. And she spoke fluent French. So she arranged us to spend the night at the hotel on Mont Saint-Michel, that beautiful island castle mm-hmm. in the middle of the bay. And one night, midnight, we when all the tourists were gone, we walked around the island for two or three hours. It was beautiful. Oh, wow. You know, and I just took notes. I took tons of pictures, and that's made it into a couple of books.
0: That's cool. So which is your favorite series that you've written so far?
1: I will be truthful. I like them all. Nurse Alyssa, I really enjoy writing. I'm enjoying writing The Chronicles of Paul. Um, Because Nurse Alyssa, I try to keep it more realistic. But, you know, it was sort of like, I want to write one of these, I want to write a zombie series that's more like Z Nation, more like Army of the Dead. So writing the Chronicles of Paul, that's what it's going to be. It's all going to be like the movie Dead Rising. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be unique kills. There's going to be some, a lot of humor in it but my favorite series is the first series I ever wrote, The Vampire Hunters. I, I Well, I will have to,
0: I've been um, threatening to buy all of the books of all of the weird kids. And so that's going to be my goal is to get the vampire books. So
1: okay. it's the rabbit in the book that Drake Matthew owns is based on one of the rabbits I had drake matthews is me it's my fantasy version of me he's a cigar smoking iced coffee drinking whiskey loving rabbit loving vampire hunter who gets himself in more trouble than not and and um allison not based on my wife because this was before i knew it allison is based on a a young woman i worked with who was gorgeous who was brilliant and who always kept them out of trouble. Whenever he got into trouble. She okay. I am going to out.
0: stop you here. And you should say. That she's. You were channeling your wife. Before you met her.
1: <laughs> and yeah. say all
0: those things.
1: No. But I mean. I'm not saying my wife isn't no. that. But I just enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the books. Um, one of the things I loved doing. Was every movie. And every book. Almost every movie and every book with bad vampires—they're monsters. Period. They're two-dimensional. I didn't want to do that, so I actually created a group of vampires that are main characters. They have backstories. Why did this one become a vampire? Why did this one become a vampire? How did they react? And it—it's one of my favorite series.
0: Well, I'm. I'm. That—that's going to be my next. Scott Baker read, because I right. love vampires and I'm really interested in, you've been writing these, um, ghost of Salem village, the, um, the Tatiana books. And yeah. I like that too. But, um, but yeah, so I was wondering about the vampire cause you don't really promote those anymore, but I'm going to read those. I'm I think that's going probably my to style. St-
1: I'm gonna stop promoting all the books. I've been, I've been working on producing good advertisement ads um, I've made sure all the books are on listed as series on Amazon. So I can do like one link to all three or four or however many books. And I'm going to be doing a lot more promoting of that in the future.
0: Good. And I do have, a, when I got a list of all of your books, uh, I updated it on your weird realities page too. So it's all there. Oh, and when we get this video out, I will be putting the video on your webpage there too. So.
1: Okay, thank you, thank you. I mean, I've got a lot of cool stuff. You know I'm doing my third Tatyana book. Yes. The Ghosts of the Maria Doria. It's uh, it's a ghost aboard a haunted cruise You're ship. So, You're so
0: creative. I just don't know where, I mean, it's it's
1: inspiring. Thank you. It's just an overactive, warped imagination. I've got an idea I want to do. Called it's a dead world after all. It's about a zombie outbreak at Disneyland.
0: That sounds fun.
1: I (laughs) just,
0: I mean, you know, it does. It sounds fun to me.
1: I just, I like. I've got this one scene written out where they have this big fight with zombies during the It's a Small World ride. I mean, what could be more funnier than like you know having to beat a zombie to death while the the things are going? It's a small world after (laughs) all. You know, having you know, having all the Disney princesses as zombies attacking you, I just I just don't have time to write that one. I have a screenplay that I'm going to be turning into a novel, Jurassic Ark. Um, a friend of mine in Hollywood read it. He loves it. He's gonna try to help me get a place, but I want to turn it into a book. It's pretty much it's a sci-fi classic. 65 million years ago, just before the meteor hit that wiped out the dinosaurs, ten spaceships take off with dinosaurs in them. They come back to present day, drop off the dinosaurs, and all hell ensues.
0: That's brilliant.
1: Thank you. Thank you. You know,
0: Landa, when when he he does this movie, we're gonna have to ask him to send us to Hollywood for the premiere because you suggested that we do those <laughs> dino movies the other week.
1: Hey, I'll see if I can get you in. Get you a, That's going to be like one of my things. You can have the book, you can do what you want with it, but I want to die in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be the guy that gets eaten by it. We T-Rex. just want
0: to go. I, well, I, I don't know about Landa, but I just want to go to the premiere.
1: <laughs> well, I'll see if I can get you there. Yes, Landa, you too.
0: Well, Scott, we're coming up on 40 minutes and wow. tell us what you're working on right now. I know you've got the, the Tatiana, but
1: um, I've got but what the else? Tatiana- you
0: are always doing about six things at once.
1: Um, I've got the Tatiana book. I'm finishing up the first round of edits. I'm looking to get the book out around mid-August, but that's going to depend on when I can get the book cover. I've started working on the second Chronicles of Paul book, um, this one is going to be fun. I've already got like where they're going to have the two main battle scenes. This is, it's really got, it does like, I say, me, it does have a little bit more of a Z nation flair to it that, you know, all the kills in this one are going to be something you would expect in a movie. Then I'm.
0: Well, do the Chronicles of Paul stand alone? I mean, do you have to read the nurse Elizabeth? No, 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 you don't.
1: No, you don't. Nurse Alyssa constantly is, mentions in several of her books her survivor, survivalist husband, Paul. He's the woman of the one. He's the one that created the cabin. Yeah. What I decided to do was, what happened to Paul? Paul is in Pittsburgh when the crap hits the fan. So this is his chronicles of what he does during the zombie apocalypse and his own group of people. You know, but he's a bit more, he's a survivalist, he knows more. So the book's got a little bit more of an action flair to it than a little than the nurse alyssa, which has a horror flair. And then I'm gonna I'm plotting out the ninth Tatyana, or not Tatiana, the ninth nurse Alyssa book, um, which is gonna I'm gonna sort of get away from the slade thing a little bit. I want to go back and do some special things if nurse Alyssa and you know, if if nurse Alyssa survived the end of book eight, um, I'm working on Jurassic arc. I am working to get the Rada world series put together in a a box set. So, you know, that way it'll just be quick and easy to buy them. Um, I've got three short stories that will be coming out in the next few months. There's the, the one for Horror Writers Inc. Um, God, I can't remember which one that was. Uh, I think that was the Dead Don't Die. It's about an ER room where on Halloween night the dead will not die. They cannot die, no matter how bad. You know, one body's completely burnt. There's like ten percent of the body left. The victim won't die. Uh, I got an- yeah. I got another story. Uh, A father's love. Which I think you read, the post-apocalyptic one, which is like one of the six. I've
0: actually read both of these, and they're really good. Okay.
1: And then I've got a short story. There's a great graphic novel novel series, Vlada, A Dracula Tale. You can find it on uh, Amazon. I read it. I liked it. It's a reverse Dracula. All the male characters are female. Van Helsing, Dracula, Renfield, they're all women. Nina Haka, the brides, they're all males.
0: Interesting.
1: It's well written, the the artwork is fantastic and they reached out to me and asked if I wanted to be part of the anthology they're making. So I jumped at the chance, so I took the the grooms of Dracula uh, the Grooms of Vlada and I did their backstory. That should be coming out hopefully by the end of the year.
0: Oh, I'm excited about that. That sounds yeah. great.
1: But definitely go pick up, excuse me, definitely go pick up um, Vlada, A Dracula Tale, a graphic novel okay. on Amazon so you'll understand the second book.
0: I will do that because that sounds like my jam. I love vampire stories, which I think okay. you you know.
1: Yeah. So, and this one is really good. I mean, this this one was very well written. It's got a gothic feel to it. You know, that's what I liked, and that's why when I wrote the story, I tried to give mine a little bit of a gothic feel to it. So
0: good. I'm excited. That sounds like it'll be a really good read.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot. I know it's been a while since I've really published anything, and but that's because I've been like working on so many projects at once, but I'm getting back and it's going to be for the next year or two. It's going to be a Tatiana book, a Paul book, nurse, Alyssa, Tatiana, Paul nurse, Alyssa.
0: So how long are you going to write the nurse Alyssa series?
1: I don't know. I was thinking of ending it around book 10 and but that where you're at no i'm at book nine i'm okay. I, the next book will be book nine and but i'm getting a lot of people say no no go with it go with it go with it and so we'll have to see what happens i have another series that i am aching to do the first book is written it just hasn't been edited i've got the next five or six out and i really want to do it but i just have to have the time and with the three series going i don't want to add a fourth it's called oss office of Occult services oh, it's pretty much fun. it's it's the uh mi6 and oss fighting nazi occultism during world war ii
0: well you know i love that kind of stuff so that yeah. sounds and, good
1: and the first book they are battling um Oh god, I can't think of it. the the four uh, the four evil women. What do they call them? The oh, four evil women. <laughs> I can't think of it. It's uh, they're, they're the they're four demons. It's almost it's after 12 here. My mind is going blank. But it's it's them battling the four because what it is it's these four it's these women they have the influence, and they're starting to influence, in the early years of the war, British commanders to make poor decisions so the Nazis win the war. Oh. Wow. So.
0: Interesting.
1: Oh, yeah. I love
0: it. I love creative people, and you are someone yeah. that you're constantly coming up with new and exciting things, well, and that you. is lovely. Is well. I
1: appreciate it. I appreciate it. And yeah. I'm not
0: I know I'm not just giving you lip service. I mean, I really no, no. believe this. So I wouldn't say it. No, but, I know um, I
1: wouldn't. And that means a lot to me. It does.
0: But that's I love the group of people that we have here on Weird, is oh, we no. have so many exciting,
1: yeah,
0: creative minds. Oh, yeah. And it's just always interesting to and see a, what's
1: going on. And across the board too. You know, it's the occult, it's ancient civilizations, it's all this stuff. It's just it's fast. I love doing the occasional uh, murder mystery and mayhem. Ah oh,
0: no, we need to do another one.
1: Those are fascinating. I love the watching weird. You know, th- that's my favorite part of the week is Thursday night. Um, I want to try to do more watching uh, weird news. Well, I'm going to try to do a series of more movie reviews.
0: Well, you know, and I try. I tell you this because I know that you overcommit, and I know that you don't mean to because you want to do it all. Because I'm the same way, but um, you know, the way we operate is we are here when you have time for us.
1: I know, but you know? I want to have time for you because I love you guys.
0: Well, we love you too. Yeah. Thursdays are definitely the highlight of my week, and I look forward to every time we get people like Landa that show up, and now we've got um max and we've got um just all these great people who are coming every week now it's just it's growing and it's it's a wonderful thing to see and, and be part of and
1: every week my mother watches my well, my 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 10 year old nephew sets her up with a computer and she watches she doesn't know how to use the computer but she's watching you know that's why we never see her comments so
0: well that is still awesome
1: Yeah. So she, she gets the watch and I mean, it's, it's, it's great that she, I love the fact that she shows such interest in what I'm doing. There's a lot, so many of my friends out there just had parents that didn't care. You know, and my mother is, you know, she's 80 years old and she's still watching my podcast, you know, on Thursday. That's
0: that's pretty phenomenal, right?
1: there. She's pretty phenomenal.
0: Well, obviously she gave birth to you and she created this great mind that we all oh, love.
1: And she created my sister, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what the good is the bad. Now, if my sister will be watching this and right now she's giving the computer screen a finger. I'll get a bad text from her <laughs> later.
0: <laughs> well, well, that's going to do it for uh, Landa saying your mom is obviously awesome. She Thank is, you, so. But That's going to do it for us. It's A little bit past our 45 minute mark, and I'll get this up and I will send it out tomorrow and get some rest. I know you don't sleep at night, but no,
1: I'm not. I'm a night owl. So,
0: (laughs) you're a vampire, let's face it.
1: (laughs) I really think I am. You know, it's like when the sun comes up, it's like, (laughs) well, I can see my face in the mirror, so it can't be too bad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is always a pleasure. I would love to continue doing these every now and then so people can get to know the real Scott Baker in a little step more than the amazing mind that creates all this wonderful art. But definitely, um, if you have some time, let's do it again. Anytime, You know, I say, Scott, all the girls love you. It's just the truth. All the girls love you. I know.
1: I'm just... It makes makes me humble. (laughs) No, (laughs) humble is the one thing I never am. But
0: (laughs) well, but again, the next time you have a little bit of time and you want to talk, just let me know. We'll set it up, and we will um, have another live stream
1: of and this for your fans. Everyone out here who's on the line now, or anybody who watches this, I am open. If you need, you got a question you want to ask me, just either put it on my page or direct message me. I'm very open. I love talking with my fans. That's one of the best parts of being a writer, is interacting with the fans. You know, one of my favorite things when I go to, there's a few conventions I go to where they set up several how to write, how to publish um, seminars. And I love those. I love talking to the people who are aspiring writers.
0: Well, and this is, you know, for those same people, if they're interested, that's one of the things that we're trying to do here with Weird Realities is we're definitely going to be setting some people up, which I'm sorry, I've got um, the boo over here talking in the background, but uh, we definitely want to put people like um, Scott, Joe, Alan, Rich with people who are looking for questions and looking for some, you know, mentoring is y'all are amazing and y'all have been so helpful to me. So, definitely so, want to share the love,
1: like you need our help. I mean come I, on. <laughs> I do no, you don't, so but you're sweet, no. but
0: it's night time, boo is making me go let him go potty before we go to bed. <laughs> so I will talk to y'all tomorrow, all
1: right, all right, Hallie, It was great talking to you, everybody. thank you, um, you know. One thing about us artists, whether we're writers, musicians, painters, whatever, we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the support we get from you. I love my fans. I love my readers. I love everybody who tunes in. You guys make it worthwhile. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, it's, you know, I love it when people like read my book and come back. And I don't even mind if they criticize it, but I just, I'm a storyteller. I like you guys to enjoy the story.
0: Well said. That is so true. All right. And on that little Boo is now sitting on Mayhem's head. I've got to go. <laughs> Love you guys. And we'll right. see you soon.
1: Take it easy. <laughs> right. Bye-bye.